let's go to the book of Matthew again. Chapter 13. Now, I'll probably talk more about this again Sunday, but now we've been hearing some folks saying that the Sermon on the Mount canceled the Ten Commandments. Uh, now, now, he started reading. Derek started reading tonight, Matthew 5. And what's real important to see there, you always need to see not only who's speaking and to whom are being spoken to. His disciples came unto him. And those so-called beatitudes... Blessed are ye, blessed are ye. Heretic preachers for a long time have latched on to those verses and preached them to the world. They never did apply to the world. Lost, unregenerate people are not capable of carrying out the so-called beatitudes and the rest of it, but you see, they only they only just go so far with those, and then they stop. Well, the Sermon on the Mount's chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. What about the rest of that? You never hear them mention it. All right. Now I mention this. What Jesus said. Go on to chapter five there, Matthew. He said, you have heard it said of old times, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt do no murder. But I say unto you, now think about this. Where does a child of God start giving to God? Tithe, 10%. Is that where a child of God stops giving? Oh, no. That's where we start. That's the least we can do. Same thing with the Sermon on the Mount. Our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. So not only do we must we must not transgress the law we must even get on our minds that we don't do it in our minds we've got to go beyond that nowhere has jesus ever canceled the law the 10 commandments that's called anti Nomianism. Anti is against. Nomos, the Greek word for law. Antinomianism is 
preaching against the law of God. Well, there's a lot of them that do that. They claim to believe the doctrines of grace. All were under grace, we're not under law. We never were under law in order to be saved by it. But sin is the transgression of the law, and you cannot preach the gospel unless you preach the law. And Luke, Jesus dealing with the rich young ruler. He did not take him to Matthew 5. He didn't say to the rich young ruler, blessed are ye. He said, you've heard the law. Where did he take him to? The law. That's where you have to take a law sinner. It's to the law. The gospel doesn't make any sense unless you first take them to the law. Now, is there any way that you can justify a believer accepting the Sermon on the Mount and then trashing the Ten Commandments. We have no right to trash the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are God's absolute eternal standard of righteousness. (coughs) So, these guys think they know something. Evidently they think they do. And they're just going to tell us all that we got to get rid of the law. Well, maybe they should go down there and join Andy Stanley. He says get rid of the whole Old Testament. Oh, it is a the Sermon on the Mount was better than what Moses got from Mount Sinai. No, it's not better. It's different. It's not better. It's different. Man, you know what? We, I've always said this. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. We are not looking for new doctrines. We've got it all right here. We just need to stick with what we've got. Anyway. All right, Matthew 13 Let's see. Verse 24. Now, I think there's seven here. Now, Jesus taught a lot of parables. There are parables in the Old Testament. But Jesus taught more parables than anybody. All right. And these, they call these the kingdom parables. <coughs> Sometime we talked about the parable of the sower. Was that last Sunday? I, I think. Now there's the parable of the wheat and the tares. The parable of the mustard seed. 
the parable of the leaven, uh, the treasure in a field, the pearl of great price, and the net. I think that's seven. I don't know. Anyway, these give us seven different aspects of the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Uh, there is no difference than the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He's the king and heaven's the kingdom. Now there's all different aspects of the kingdom of God. There is, there is an apparent kingdom of God that he talks about some. You hear some of them talking about the church has done this. Well, what church? What they mean is Christianity at large. That's what they mean. Well, there is no the church. There is the church at such and such locale. Anyway, verse 24. Have you remember the parable of the sower? A sower went forth to sow. Now who was a sower? We do not know. We just know the sower was a human being. And obviously was a servant of the Lord. And he, and I think many respects a woman could do it too. Not preaching in the pulpit, but I think they do that. Sowing the seed. The seed is the word of God. Amen. Four different grounds that the seed, as you broadcast the seed, it would fall on. And out of four, out of 100% of the seed that you sow, you've only got a 25% germination. That means one seed out of four is productive. The others doesn't produce anything lasting. <clears throat> All right, so in verse 24 it says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way. <clears throat> but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. 
not a real difficult parable. Although a lot of folks have tried to make it that way. Basically they do it because they don't listen to what Jesus said. Jesus interpreted for us. Now look at verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples, there we go again, came unto him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Whoa! Quite different than the last parable. The son of man, that's Jesus. Hey! One time I was out in another church. And I preached on the parable of the sower. And I made a big point on, we don't know who the sower was. Because it doesn't make any difference. Totally irrelevant who he was. And the pastor tried to rebuke me over that. He said, I said, that good, the good seed is the word. He said, brother, the good seed is you. I said, you're in the wrong parable, brother. And he was. Anyway, some people know everything. They think they do. Anyway, so he said, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Now, you can't contradict that. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. There he's the wicked one, he's the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be. In the end of this world, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath the ears to hear, let him hear. There's the interpretation of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, I cannot add anything to that. That is pretty plain. And it has nothing to do with the parable of the sower. The only thing remotely could be that it's the same kind of a comparison, but completely different situation. So any parable, you have to interpret it by its context and also the main thought in it. So, now, he says, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. My, how important that is. Uh, 
Augustine, they call him Saint Augustine, but he don't say. Bishop of Hippo. He lived from 354 A.D. to 430 A.D. Martin Luther lived from 1483 to 1546. Different part of the world. Augustine wrote the basics of the Catholic Church. Now, it wasn't very far along when he was when he was alive it was getting going well augustine martin luther uh many episcopalians presbyterians these are all state churches roman catholic State churches. We've got state churches here in the United States. Every church that's incorporated is a state church, whether they know it or not. But Augustine was for a universal, visible church. And he thought that that was what's right. He interpreted this, the field is the world as the field is the church. So did Martin Luther. All of these state church dudes did. Paid no mind to what Jesus said. (laughs) Didn't matter what Jesus said, they knew what they wanted to do. And they were... On their agenda. And that's where, I mean, Baptists, we can, we can badmouth them all. A lot of Baptists that way too. Now, the parable of the sower had different results of the sowing of the word of God. But the parable of the wheat and the tares... It's all about human beings. They're the seeds sown in the world at large. Nothing about the church here. Not at all. And where did those tares, their counterfeits, false profession Christians, where did they come from? Well, I can't do any better than what Jesus said. The enemy, we said the enemy had done this, verse 20, uh, 28. An enemy had done this. And in verse 39, he identifies the enemy. The enemy that sowed them. Well, first he said the children of the wicked one. Well, sometimes we get kind of rebuked because we make the bold statement that there's only two kind of 
children in this world. Children of God and children of the devil. <laughs> Looks to me like Jesus is doing that. Look, doesn't it look like, do you? Well. Now, though, Jesus doesn't bring forth tares. He brings forth wheat. So the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. So they said, uh, we're going to do something about it. That's what his disciples said. Shouldn't we be doing something about that? Uh, verse 28, he said, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Well, that's exactly what all the state churches did. Roman Catholic, Greek Catholic, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians. That's what they all did. Why did Anabaptists suffer so much from all of them? Because they, they, they're state churches. We're, we're the church and you got to go along with us. If you don't, you got to die. Well, the, his disciples, they hinted at that right there, didn't they? But over here he says, uh, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. <coughs> Let both grow <coughs> together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say the reapers gather you together. First the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now you can't make a point out of every, every word in here. Not supposed to do that with parables. But he says now, the enemy, verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Now that can't be any place. Is something going to happen at the end of the world or the end of the age? Yeah. Uh, yes. We don't have to wonder what that is. And the reapers are the angels. Well, who's got the vials of wrath? Angels of God. So we're not his reapers. Amen. And neither were the Catholics or the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or the Episcopalians or anybody else. They were not. They claimed they were. See, I mentioned to you about that... Uh, that mess, method of uh, interpreting scripture, the allegorical method. Remember me talking about that? 
When, when the Lord told Joshua, replace Moses and take the children of Israel into the promised land, and go and wipe out the, wipe out the Philistines, the heathen, all them ites. And they did at, at Jericho. Got whooped at AI. And come find out they didn't do it all. Do you know how the Catholic Church interpreted that? Against our Anabaptist brothers and sisters? We were the Canaanites. And the Catholic Church was Joshua. That's how they did it. So, you get a heretic, a hold of the Bible, and you're in trouble. All right. God permits the counterfeit tares to continue right on in this world till the judgment day. That's probably about the main point of this parable. But the world is not the church as all these others, state church guys claimed. Well, we see this, that the devil is a person, not just a principle of evil. I don't know how else you could interpret that. The enemy that sold them is the devil. How much does he have to do with lost people. Well, we did see that he's, he's there about that seed. He's catching it away, and, and there's lots that he does. He's got many demons, but only one devil. So anytime you see devil in the plural in New Testament, it's demons, daimonios. But there's only one devil, but there is one devil, and he is a person. God's people don't persecute and extirpate. If you ever read anything in church history, you'll see that word. Extirpate. That's what they do with the Anabaptists. Extirpate them. Burn them, cut their heads off, skin them alive, whatever. And they're extirpating heresy. That's how they're getting rid of what they called heresy was disagreeing with them. We don't ever want to get into that. You're not a heretic because you disagree with me. But if you disagree with the word of God, then you become a heretic. Amen. All right, so. You shall cast them into a furnace of fire, 42. Verse 42, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, then shall the righteous shine forth 
as the Son in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So the parable of the wheat and tares, it's pretty plain what it means. Now only if you read after these other guys, would you get into that, that other stuff. It's pretty plain, it looks to me like. And then he says in, uh, back in verse 31, Another parable put he forth unto them, unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Well, I don't know, some may think I overwork this. The least of all seeds, a mustard seed. I have actually seen a mustard seed. And it kind of reminded me of a pickle seed. Pretty small. Is, that, is, is it the least of all? Probably not now. Probably uh, it doesn't have to be the least in the whole world. But it's like when he, when he talked about uh, it's easier for a rich man to go to heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Then they say, well, it's a needle's eye. No, it's the eye of a needle. It's what it says. Were there any smaller orifices in Jerusalem, in Israel, when Jesus taught that truth. I doubt it. Are there now? Yes. My brother used to, well, Dave and his daddy, both machinists, used to tell me about the German machinist, how accurate and everything they were. And they got into a, to a contest with American machinists. And I don't know where they were. Did you ever hear him tell that? Yeah, the world's fair somewhere. All right, so David knows about that. But they made a drill bit smaller than a human hair. The Americans did. And sent it to the Germans. And they drilled a hole in it and sent it back to them. Am I telling it right? So yes, I can say that there are smaller orifices, maybe even smaller than that. Now when you deal with atomic micro microscopes and, and all that kind of stuff. But there wasn't in that day. The largest animal that they dealt with was a camel. And the smallest orifice they dealt with was a eye of a needle. And these youngsters don't understand that. But you get a little bit of age on you. And those eyes start acting like they belong to somebody else. Then you'll see why the old timers have a rough time threading the needle. <laughs> That's a small opening. 
I used to do it like that. Why are you having such a rough time? Now I know why. <laughs> I didn't know then, but I know now. Well, so that was it. That was the thing about that, that the eye of a needle was the smallest opening. The camel was the biggest creature. Now, to get that through that needle's eye, Jesus used the word. It's impossible. And that's what you've got to stick with there. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. All right, so, and the same thing here, the least of all the seeds. But when it's grown, it's the greatest among herbs. Well, I don't know. They say a mustard seed plant will grow 15 foot big time. You know, I don't know. I'm not a green dumber. But it becomes a tree. Well, now that's amazing. In it, a seed that little, and it becomes a tree. Now you, not, now you tell me how that does that. I don't think anybody can. Uh, they may be able to plant them. And harvest them. But tell me how that works. How can you, you that big maple tree out here. It came from one of them little helicopters. Single bladed helicopters. You know how they. That's where that thing came from. It's huge. Now you explain to me how all of that DNA was packed in that little fatty end of that. Single bladed helicopter. It was all in there. And I don't know what that wing was for, but it's it's that part of it. I don't understand all that. I like to see a corn on the cob. You used to wonder what all them silks is for. Each one of them is attached to a kernel of corn. And one it one kernel of corn. It'll grow a stalk of corn to get up 12, 15 foot tall. And I don't know how many years. We've kind of argued over that how many. Four or five ears on a stalk. And each one of those ears has got how many, how many kernels of corn. It all came from one. Oh, well, it all just happened. No, it didn't just happen. What kind of design did that take? And it does it every time. So anyway, here this seed is, and it becomes a tree. Well, he said the kingdom of heaven's like that. Well, look how small Jesus came, and when he turned 30, I believe, he goes and he gets inaugurated into his public ministry by going to John the Baptist and receiving scriptural baptism. Then he begins to call out his disciples. God has set some of the church first apostles. And he says, come and I'll make you fishers of men. We read it the other day. 
And so he had called out 12 or so Jesus. And the 12, that was, that was the, first, the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. Then they lost Judas. Now they're down, and then he ascends into heaven. They're down to 11 members. Well, now all this, oh, you go to have a big church. Well, now that wasn't big. And then after, after Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they get empowered. Yeah, they did grow big, but it didn't last. They got scattered. Then they're meeting in a house church. Small. But how far has it spread? And that's what that little mustard seed did. There is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. But also very similar to the wheat and the tares. You've got these fowls, these birds that come and roost in the branches. If it's all growing, what's happening? It's getting mixed up. Well, some say, well, that, those birds don't necessarily mean that. I think they do. And then you look at the next parable. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. Now, leaven is the issue. Which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. And notice he didn't interpret this or translate this one or interpret it. I think it's very similar to the mustard seed parable. Because here you've got the lump of dough, the meal, and she injects leaven into it. Now, some of them take leaven here and make it the gospel. What woman did that? Don't believe that at all. And what does leaven Indicate scripture wide evil, sin, false teaching. And so, what was all the epistles about? All of them, to some degree or another, talking about heresy, entered into the Lord's churches. Well, so that's how it's like leaven. And then, this issue right here if those guys say that leaven. They say it's the gospel. Then what they're doing, they're creating absolute hard shells. Yes. Because the point about leaven is that leaven leavens the whole lump. You don't have to do anything to it. Just put it in there and it works until the whole is leavened. That's not the way the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel must be declared Amen. by human instrumentalities. Uh, we write tracts and articles, but it must be declared. So, that's why there's nothing similar here to the evangelical commands of our Lord. Preach the gospel to every creature. All right, so 
Then uh, you've got verse 44. And uh, the treasure hid in the field. And the pearl of great price in 46. And the net in verse 47. I'm not going to take those up tonight. We'll take them up next time. But different aspects of the kingdom.